Hello, we ghosties. I'm Chance Lee. And I'm Amanda McAvoy. And this is That's So Gothic, a movie podcast about girls, guys, and haunted houses. Dick the halls. It's time for the 2019 remake of Black Christmas. Woohoo! Follow la la la. It's my privilege to teach you this semester. Enjoy your winter breaks and Merry Christmas. Sup, ladies? Excited for tonight? It is our last day of our last fall semester of college ever. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bells ring and jingle bells ring. Can you take a photo of all of us? Of course. Where's Helena? She was pounding back of sodas earlier, but she looked really good. Cheese. We shouldn't have let her go back by herself. She's fine. Come on, live a little. Helena hasn't gotten home yet. If I were missing, I'd want you to unleash the bloodhounds and track me down. She was at DKO last night. Still creating problems, huh, right? Hello? Hello? I'm worried that something bad happened. It's winter break. Could just be a delay of some sort. Snow. My friend is missing. Nine times out of ten, the girl's just with a boyfriend. I will bring you to your knees. Traditions alive. You're all insane. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of running. Go, 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 go! Ho, 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 bitch. You mess with the wrong sisters. Released in 2019, Black Christmas was directed by Sophia Takal, the screenplay by Takal and April Wolf. It stars Imogene Poots, Pootsie, as Riley. She's a sorority girl at Hawthorne College. Carrie Elwes as Professor Gelson, who's a misogynist school official. Mm-hmm. And Elise Shannon as Chris. She is Riley's social activist sorority sister. This is the story of a sorority that gets targeted by an insane and literally possessed group of fraternity brothers. Yeah, a nightmare, (laughs) truly. I mean, regular fraternity brothers, not great. Bad enough, bad enough. Um, This is also, in my opinion, a very realistic portrayal of the fight to keep racist statues. Yes. 
Yeah, so, I feel like that's a part I didn't think about a lot, but oh my god, yeah. When I first saw this, I think there was a lot of racist statues getting yeah. uh, vandalized in yes. the news, and that was really at the forefront of my mind and becomes a key <laughs> element to this movie. Yes. So this movie has a 39% critical tomato mm. and a 31% audience tomato. Although Simon Abrams of RogerEbert.com gives it three stars. Mm. He does include a disclaimer that he is friends with April Wolf, who is the screenwriter. Interesting. And he criticizes the supernatural element that's not yeah. present in previous films. But he says that the this remake feels personal and urgent, thanks to some atmospheric scare scenes and some sharp dialogue that reflects the world outside the movie theater in ways that most studio-distributed horror films do not. Hmm. Okay. I think that's... I yeah, I can kind of agree with that. I, you know, I, I feel very similar about the movie, but I wouldn't give it as high of a rating, but I see yeah. where, you know, he's coming from. Yeah, I agree with what he says. Yeah. Um, this was distributed and produced by Blumhouse mm -hmm. and, but technically a box office disappointment uh, by today's standards. Mm. So it made 18 million against a $5 million budget. Yeah. Um, they're, I think they're used to making like, 50, 60 million, if not more. Right. I was surprised a lot when of their I watched movies. this the first time and I saw the Blumhouse, um, you know, logo or whatever at the beginning. Cause this again was a movie that you had recommended to me. And I don't think I had heard of it before you mentioned it to me. Yeah. This was how, like, I knew the original Black Christmas was yeah. a thing. Um, but this was the movie that I think prompted me to watch it. I was. Mm. Ghosties, go back and listen to our previous episode if you haven't already mm -hmm. on the 1974 Black Christmas. But I was trying to remember the first time I saw it when I didn't like it. Mm. And I think it was when this movie came out in theaters. I was like, let me go back and check out the original one. Yeah. So did you watch did... the original and then went to theaters to see this? So I watched, um, I no, I missed this in theaters. So I oh. watched the original at home and then I watched this one on DVD. Mm. And then I went back and watched the original one. Okay. And then 2006 and then this one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because I didn't even know 2006 existed at the time. No. Um, so Sophia Takal also directed Always Shine. Have you seen that movie? No, I've never even heard of it. Theoretically, I've seen it. It Because <laughs> I have a letterbox review of it. I remember oh. nothing about it. It stars Tully, Mackenzie Davis. Oh. Um, I always just call her Tully because yeah. she was she was Tully, and yeah. I, I just I I did not know her name for years. Yeah, and I would just say, oh look, uh, Tully, Tully's uh, getting jacked for Terminator and stuff. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's always shine is kind of like a single white female type movie. Okay. There's some female friendship that's also a rivalry, and Ooh, okay, one of them starts to kind of turn into the other one. Obviously, it didn't make an impression on me, but it yeah. was written by Sophia Takal's husband, who's Lawrence Michael Levine, mm. and he wrote Black Bear with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, I had. I is that the one about them in the cabin? Yes, I haven't watched it, but I think you might have recommended it to me. I love that movie. Yeah. Okay. And Always Shine feels like a like a rough draft or a 
first go at a lot of the ideas that are in Black Bear, but better. Oh, interesting. So okay. I don't recommend that one, but Black Bear's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Imogene Poots, uh, Pootsie, she was briefly in Jane Eyre. So go back. Yep. We go see, listen to our premiere episode. Yeah. She plays the woman that Rochester brings in to make Jane jealous. Yes, the fancy woman. Yes. Is her name Eliza or she just reminds me of an Eliza? I don't know. (laughs) Um, I really like her. I love the movie, The Art of Self-Defense with Jesse Eisenberg. Mm -hmm. I don't know that one. That movie's fantastic. And Mm -hmm. uh, Imogene Poots plays, I think, literally the only woman in the movie. I think it's all entirely men and Imogene Poots. Um, Jesse Eisenberg is assaulted and decides to take karate classes so he can defend himself. Okay. And it's very, it's almost the way they speak is in almost that kind of monotone, um, Yorgos Lanthimos way of speaking. Mm. And, uh, Imogene Poots plays the one female at this karate school who does everything better than all of the men, yeah. but does not get promoted to black belt. Of course. Yeah. And it's a really fantastic movie and she's yeah. very good in it. Um, and then she's also in Vivarium with Jesse Eisenberg, oh. which I think is Gothic, but also terrible. Yeah. I remember because I was only going to watch that if you liked it. Cause it was a movie I was very much on the fence about and you told me you hated it. So I was like, I'm okay then. I'm good. Yeah, that one was bad, but hopefully she'll do some other good stuff soon. I haven't seen her in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Carrie Elwes, he's best known to me as Robin Hood, Man in Tights. Yep, yep. I obviously (laughs) love him and Saw, but I mean, of course, Princess Bride. Oh, you know, I'm not a huge Princess Bride stan. So I kind of, yeah, I kind of forget about that. I think I've only seen it once. I wouldn't say I'm a stan, but that's where I know him from. Okay, but also Saw. Also Saw. Robin Hood Men in Tights was on HBO in heavy rotation when I was a child. So <laughs> we watch yeah. that a lot. That one but, stuck out. Um, but yeah, so let's get into the plot summary for this one. So mm-hmm. again, we go sees if you haven't already listened to our previous episode on the 1974 Black Christmas. And that one, we also talk about the 2006 Black Christmas because those are very similar. And I would say this movie, the only thing it has in common with the original one is that it's there's a college and it's called black christmas yes yeah and it's a sorority (laughs) i do like i'll just say i like that the sororities in both movies are not what i think most people would think of a sorority as as being you know blonde haired blue eyed you know um very uh legally blonde sorority you know i do like that both sororities are kind of made up of like misfits like they're the little misfit island it's kind of cute so that's really true yeah they're like the sororities from the house bunny yes oh my god they are (laughs) can we watch the house bunny for this can we Uh, we should just (laughs) have anna ferris do the voice oh i love it (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh but yeah they, they're they very different films very so different that's why very we're different. doing this one completely separately yes um and i will say with this one um and we'll talk a little bit more later but in case i forget the i like the in the 1970s one the mm-hmm. the, the girls get along but there's also some 
I don't know. They're a little rougher, I think, just because of the time period. Yeah. Um, and in this one, there, I mean, there's some arguments, but they seem to actually really genuinely like each other. Yeah. Um, I feel like you care more refreshing. about the characters in this one, too, the newer one. Um, yeah. When they died in the 70s one, it was kind of like, oh, there goes another one. The only one I cared about was Barb, you know. Yeah, Barb. that's true. Um, but this one, I mean, there were genuinely some very, like, heartbreaking moments. Like, very sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is almost more of a tragedy than a slasher movie yes yeah so um so we open with a fictional quote mm -hmm. from calvin hawthorne founder of mm -hmm. hawthorne college in 1819 and it says that man possesses powers formidable so formidable that they can only be considered supernatural with a proper education men can wield these powers and go forth into the world and they mean that literally. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we see some men in robes in kind of like a, the skulls slash eyes wide shut mm, <laughs> ritual. Yes. Um, and then we transition from a fire they've lit to a hearth at a sorority where they're doing a secret Santa. Mm -hmm. um, there's a girl named Lindsay and she gets a text on this app called yip yap yip yap yep <laughs> um which at first do you remember yik yak i was literally just gonna say that is did you ever use yik yak i was popular on yik yak whoa. i just want to say i whoa killed it if you went to middlesex community college in <gasps> 2012 ish let me know if you used yik yak because I think wow. I killed it. Yeah. Wow. I was definitely a weird old person uh, <laughs> who would look at it because I found it fascinating. Yeah. And I just imagined I lived in a very small rural New Hampshire town. Mm. And I was like, I am seeing what I probably the high school students are chatting about on here. Yes. And just getting this window into a world right. that was fascinating to me. The only time I ever posted on Yik Yak was when I was at a cafe and I was just looking at the people around me and I posted on Yik Yak, some guys have the most beautiful eyelashes. Oh, how beautiful, how gorgeous. And yeah, I got like 12 likes or nice. whatever. So I, yeah. I consider that a success. Wow. I, I would is... have screenshotted that and put that on my Tumblr. <laughs> he was, he had very nice eyelashes, <laughs> this man. Um, so this app, I don't know why they give it an app because they're really just getting like DMs. They, yeah. you know, they could have just as well done this with texts. Right. So she gets a text that has a pig and a cat emoji and it says, what do a sorority girl and a pig have in common? They squeal before they die. <laughs> so there's a chase sequence and poor Lindsay is killed with an ice pick. Yeah. And gets dragged away, leaving a snow angel. I did really like that detail. Very well uh, structured. And then we get our, our title card, uh, mm -hmm. Black Christmas, which is done in a very gothic font. Yes, it is. I yeah. appreciate it. We have a, we have a cat in this mm -hmm. one. So we had Claude in the first movie. This cat is Claudette. <laughs> <laughs> So that's another like only link to the original one is yes. that they named the cat Claudette. Feminism wins. <laughs> yes. And she's not luring the girls to their death no, the way Claude did. No, she's pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a fellow sister shows up in Riley's room. Mm -hmm. She has a shirt that says, your manalog bores me. Yep. And she can't find her diva cup. 
Yeah. And I'm not a man. I couldn't, I mean, I am a man. I'm not a woman. (laughs) I couldn't figure out if Riley gave her a pad or a tampon, but either way, she puts it in right in front of her, you know, so we're very comfortable. And I think she kind of puts it right on her underwear. Okay. (laughs) We're all very comfortable with our femininity in this house. Yes. I unfortunately did not get this woman's name. So I just call her Diva Cup throughout most of my (laughs) most of my plot summary. And the Diva Cup is surprisingly important to the plot. Yes. (laughs) Which I was not expecting. So we meet Riley, uh, her little sister, Mm -hmm. Helena. They're getting ready to do some sort of performance and Helena is nervous. So Riley makes up a story about this hair comb that gives Mm her, you know, serenity. Good luck. Yeah. They're also getting ready for what they call the orphans dinner, which is when (laughs) all the kids who do not go home for the holidays will get a place to stay and have dinner. Mm -hmm. We learn that Riley's parents are dead. Yes. Because one of the girls is like, oh shit, should we not call it that? And Riley, very funny, is like, wait, my parents are dead? (laughs) (laughs) Great delivery from Pootsie. We get kind of a throwaway line about how every holiday is about being sexy now. Yes. Which I liked. Yeah. (laughs) That was funny. Um, We also see this motion sensor Santa go off. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like Chekhov's motion sensor Santa, because <laughs> we will see it come back yep. again later. So the we the girls walk to the college. We walk past where Lindsay was killed. No one knows she's dead. But the yep. snowman had gotten knocked over during the murder scene. And so we mm-hmm. see kids rebuilding this snowman. So we end up in class with Professor Gelson. He does this really jackass thing where he reads a quote and then asks what the writer is thinking. Many people raise their hands, but he calls on Riley, even though she did not. I don't think I ever had a professor do that. He is terrible. Yeah, he sucks. And she talks about how she thinks the writer is a man and blah 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 but he kind of pulls the rug out and saying like why do you think it's a man this was written by a woman Mm. blah 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 so we learn that someone is circulating a petition uh to either get him suspended or something because of the way he treats women yeah and his syllabus has no women on it no people of color no queer people it's all just white straight men Yes. Reminds me of some of my college classes in that mm, way. Absolutely. Once I, took a, I took a world literature class at yeah. Southern New Hampshire University. Just going to throw mm-hmm. it out there because it was a bad program. And <laughs> there was not a single person of color on the list. Really? Like, the closest you could get is Gabriel Garcia Marquez. But oh, my God. I, so he, w- he was the closest you could get to a person of color. Yeah. Um, and, and he just, he's European Spanish, I thought, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So like, it was a terrible, terrible class. Yeah. But, I would just um, like to throw out, I took a class called protest literature at UMass Lowell. And that was wonderful because I was afraid it was going to be all, you know, white men protest, you know, Jack Kerouac kind of bullshit. It was great. It was all about intersectionalism, feminism, a lot of queer writers, Jewish writers. It was great. Highly recommend. I don't know if it's uh, still the same professor. I wish I could remember her name, but if you're at UMass Lowell, 
just giving away all of my uh, my history, my educational history of this episode. I love it. I love it's it. It's important. I feel like it's important. It's a college themed episode, so it it's going to come up. Yeah. So we meet Chris, who mm-hmm. is the one behind this petition. Uh, at some point, it's either her or someone else. She talks about getting yelled at in one of his classes and the way he mm. berates women. Yeah. So she, we also learn that she got the bust of Hawthorne removed from the school. Yeah. And she says, he owns slaves in the North, <laughs> which is <laughs> such a good line. Yeah. <laughs> and Did they say where this college is? I forget. If they maybe it's in Bedford, Pennsylvania. I don't know, maybe. but yeah. I, if they I mean, did, it's definitely I miss snowy. That. Yeah, it's snowy. Um, and she says, she says it's not like they destroyed it. The frat boys took it back to their house where they can jerk off on it wherever they <laughs> want. <laughs> She's great. This actress, um, I mentioned her name earlier, Elise Shannon. I couldn't. She did not have her own Wikipedia page, and I've never really? seen her in anything else. But she's really yeah. good in this. She's movie. very good. Um, so let's see. So yeah, we, uh, there is a cute guy with glasses who signs the petition. His name's Landon. We learn that Riley works in a cafe Mm -hmm. and they're still kind of talking about everything that's happening. Oh, and this is, um, back to what you had said about his terrible, uh, syllabus. Yeah. Um, his curriculum, you know, he talks about who's going to teach the classics and Chris says, whose classics are these? Yes. Which is Great. another really good line. So we get a bit about Riley's backstory. She was raped. Um, and a few years ago, mm-hmm. they did not do anything about it. Yeah. And so she understandably has a little bit of PTSD from this. They're going to perform at a talent show, but she learns that her rapist will be there. Mm-hmm. So she's getting very anxious about this. And what the, they're getting ready for kind of like a Mean Girls-esque yes. dance number where they're going to dress as sexy Santas. Yep. So they're getting ready for this at the fraternity house, the yes. Delta Kappa Omega, maybe. Whatever. The, they call them the Deeks or something. Yeah. Um, and so Riley goes to look for Helena, mm-hmm. who has not showed up yet. And it's very macho there's a deer head yeah. but they, they put christmas ornaments on it his earrings <laughs> which i find kind of funny um there's the paintings of i guess like i don't know house leaders i don't know who, but there's painting of her rapist brian yeah. there's a painting of professor gelson when he was mm-hmm. younger yeah so we see that they've all been part of this fraternity for a while and then she sees this weird hazing ritual where they're literally worshiping the bust of hawthorne yeah. that's crying black blood yeah black and they're dew. like yeah they're like painting it on these kids foreheads yeah very ash wednesday Yes. So she finds Helena, who's drunk with this uh, aggressive guy from the cafe. And maybe her rapist, a lot of the guys are a little interchangeable. Yeah, I think that he's just a good friend of the rapist. I feel like we don't actually hear from him a lot, the actual rapist. Yeah, I could be, I I could be remembering wrong, but. No, I think you're right. He's the one who tells Riley that he's going to be Yes, he's coming, yeah. And he does it just to taunt her. yeah. So Helena is kind of being submissive to this guy. So Riley 
interrupts and says, do you really want to do this Mm -hmm. with him? And the guy is like, you bitches are all the same. You won't act like you want it, but you're all a bunch of teases. So Helena says she drank too much. She is not going to perform in the talent show. And she wants Riley to take her place because she knows the lyrics. Mm -hmm. So they get out there to sing their little song. And it's to the tune of Up on the Rooftop. Rooftop? Yep. Uh, But up on the frat house, click, click, click. You slip me a roofie and then your dick. So they they give this whole thing about the rape culture at this college. And it feels like, it feels very realistic because you're getting the students who are like, preach, tell it the way it is. And you're getting a lot of the girls in the crowd are so happy. Yes. And then you're getting the frat bros who are booing them and throwing things at them. So like, it's, it feels very real to me and it's very gutsy that they do this. Yes. So back at the house, we kind of are cutting back and forth for a bit. We see them finishing, you know, they're very exhilarated from having pulled this off. Landon is the one guy who's like, it's very brave of you to do this. He's very cheesy. He tells the joke. Why doesn't Santa like going down the chimney? Because he's claustrophobic. (laughs) Yeah, he's a cute (laughs) guy. That was good. He's adorable. And we're cutting back and forth, though, to Helena, who's getting the I think Claire treatment from the original movie. So the killer is in her room and she, um, does she get a bag over her head? I forget what even happens to her. I think she might. Yeah, she does. Someone does. I feel like it's her. Yeah. And then, um, because later poor, poor diva cup will get strangled by some Christmas lights. Yes. And so the scene where she gets strangled was a scene I thought was in the first one. When I watched the first one, I was waiting for this to happen. Because the way it's framed is very interesting because the house, the interior looks a lot like the interior of the original house with the Mm -hmm. landings. And poor Diva Cup is searching. Well, I guess she is. Is she looking for the cat? She might be looking for the cat. No, she's looking for Christmas lights. She's looking for working Christmas lights. And because there's the really cool scene where she's plugging them into the wall. They're not work, right? Is that the same scene? No, that's a later girl. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's a later girl. No, I will say one of the issues one of my one of the issues with this movie is I couldn't tell the I couldn't tell anybody apart. And I didn't know anybody's names. It moves very quickly. It does. The 70s movie does benefit from the slow pacing and the character building scenes. Yeah. Whereas this one is very plotty. And it moves very fast. And you only Um, really care about the girls when it's like the last three left. Yes. And those Mm -hmm. are the only ones whose names I learned. Yeah. So, because I'm still calling her Diva Cup. So... (laughs) So she is looking for for something. She's looking for whatever she's looking for. Mm-hmm. And the camera is kind of static up above the landing as she's yeah. going from room to room. And then she leaves the room and the killer comes out and strangles her yes. and cut. And it's right. very startling. So I, like I said, I thought the scene was in the first one because it's very artistically staged. Yeah. But... So this scene is cribbed from Exorcist 3. That's what I thought. <laughs> And I was trying to search for it. And it's funny because uh-huh. I actually thought it was the first exorcist. I was trying to search for this because I knew I recognized the scene from somewhere. Yeah. And I, I couldn't figure out how to Google search it. 
like hallway because right. i think in exorcist three i think it might be like a nun or something there's um they're in a hospital and yeah it, the killer is a nun or it's or there's something. a nun who's a nurse that gets yeah killed. right i knew there was something nun related to it so i was trying to search it i couldn't figure out what it was i did think it was the exorcist but i thought it was the first exorcist apparently i've seen the third exorcist i did not know that i did that um, the third one has undergone a critical reappraisal and people mm. like it. I hate it. I thought okay. it was so boring. But maybe maybe if I went back, because I also did not like Black Christmas, yep. maybe if I went back and watched it, I'd enjoy it. But this is the scene that stands out. Yes. And it's kind of the iconic scene from that movie. Mm. Um, although in that movie, it goes on for what I feel like is an eternity. Yeah. Um, and this one does benefit from a brief. Quite quick. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very startling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a good homage to that classic. Scene. Yeah. So the girls are out. They're picking out a Christmas tree. Riley is getting these mysterious texts over the Yip Yap app. Um, and Helena's mom calls and says that mm-hmm. Helena isn't home. So Riley goes to report it. And we the camera does pan and we see poor diva cup like strangled on the balcony yeah right not as iconic as the girl with the bag on her head but she does have the christmas lights around her neck yeah so of course campus security completely unhelpful Mm -hmm. and riley goes to kind of look in the frat house and she bumps into professor elwes Mm -hmm. (laughs) who uh has like a lit a mysterious list of all the girls names yeah and he of course says that her song went too far and rambles on with his patriarchal bullshit yep and he talks about how many sacrifices have been made to keep our traditions alive he really is a stereotypical douchebag i know and what i kind of like i actually kind of like the supernatural element of this movie that's going to come up because on rewatch you're like all the shit he's saying he means literally like and i was like oh that that's kind of interesting because you could see him you could see any old white douchebag saying these things right but in this movie they mean it (laughs) that's kind of funny that is actually a funny way of looking at it yeah yeah um and then so we get back to the girls at the house and we get this kind of throwaway line that i found really funny one of them goes i can't believe how easy it is to cook i could have been making ham my entire life (laughs) oh i love it (laughs) (laughs) because they're really getting college kids you know they have yes this their first time away from home yeah they're doing it for themselves yep it's funny actually the first time i watched this movie i thought that girl was like suspicious because (laughs) there's like so many scenes of her like holding a kitchen knife and like i was like oh this girl is she's suspicious no she just didn't know how to cook she was just kind of stupid that's true (laughs) yes (laughs) i thought that line was great um they do, though, unfortunately, then get into a little bit of an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, we've learned that Chris posted the video to YouTube. And Ry- I forget what Riley says, but she says something like, oh, that really sticks it to so-and-so. She mm-hmm. names her rapist. And Chris didn't realize that when she posted the video. And Riley's pissed that she did yeah. this without talking to her about it. And so they get in this argument where Riley's like, Chris, you're 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 going too far with this. And 
Chris is saying, like, I don't stop because they don't stop. Like, we can't afford to stop fighting these people. Right. Um, and then one of the girls, I think her name is Marty. She has a boyfriend, Nate, who mm. is kind of like the hashtag not all men character of the yes. movie. You know, he kind of joins into the argument. Um creepy dms start happening yeah and then and then all of a sudden they start getting shot at by arrows yes <laughs> like it goes from i wouldn't say zero to a hundred because it's like they're arguing like they're passionately arguing yeah. and then it's just yeah arrows come right through it's great yeah where the like the first movie everybody was getting killed with no one noticing it yeah. and now it's just like a full-on assault is happening yes so like they have to they all have to scatter mm-hmm. and the killer they drop their phones the killer's gathering their phones and poor marty i think she gets shot with one of the arrows because she's injured right yeah. and they're yeah, in like a food leg. pantry yeah. um and they realize that they need to get the phone yep. and they need to find Jesse, who I think is the ham girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the one who had gone to find Christmas lights mm, um, yes. earlier. She was like, oh, I don't like confrontation when they were fighting. Yes. <laughs> and she leaves to go find Christmas lights. Yeah. And yeah, there is that great scene yeah. where... Um, yeah, she's trying to plug them in. And the thing was, so, I mean, I've seen, I had seen this movie before uh-huh. and I thought that it was going to be one of the dead girls that we were going to oh, see yeah. in the darkness. So yeah. when she plugs in the light and the killer's there, I screamed. Yeah. I was like, ah! <laughs> it got me. Like, I love that scene. I feel like, you know, you're watching it as the audience. You know something's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it's so good, though. And I love, because she really is. She's just so sweet and stupid. Because she also says something like, do Christmas lights expire? And she's like, <laughs> none of them are working. Oh, yes. Poor girl. Yeah. I know. That's funny. Yeah, I feel bad when she gets killed. And yeah. the killer's asks so they're all there's multiple killers yes and they're in like like foot length floor length hood hooded robes um very fraternity hazing like you feel like they should have paddles and like kind of be stripping each other in these homoerotic ways but Mm -hmm. you know instead they're killing people um less fun and and they have creepy masks on yeah so um so the killer cuts off all the lights and Chris goes to try to find Jesse, unfortunately finds her with like glass in her face. Mm. Um, this movie, uh, this is maybe a good time to bring up that this movie is PG-13. Yeah. What do you think about the movie being PG-13? I think personally, I wasn't really missing anything in terms of like gore or anything like that. I think it still was pretty effective. I think it would have been really fun if it was R. I think mm-hmm. they could have done a lot more with it. But I don't necessarily think it was lacking. What do you think? Yeah. I I don't again, I don't know what it says about me. I always want an R rating. <laughs> yes. You know, I always want things to be more gross. Right. So I do kind of wish for that. I did read online that mm-hmm. Sophia Takal wanted it to be PG thirteen so it mm-hmm. would reach a wider audience of teen girls who could okay. see it. Which I think is very admirable. But then like not to disagree with her or say that she's lying, but <laughs> but there's there's deleted scenes on the DVD 
where the murders go on longer and are a little gorier. Mm. And it's like, if that was the goal, then why was this cut? Yeah, and why that, was that, that even filmed? Yeah. Unless maybe they were trying to push um, the limits of PG-13. Because even, they're still not gross, like R-rated stuff. So maybe they were trying to push the limits of what a PG-13 right. could do and just needed to cut it back. And that was the goal. Right. So, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't accuse her of being disingenuous. How dare um, you? But then, but then when I saw those on this, I was like, wait a second. Like, what, yeah. why are why is these, these here? But so like, because when poor Jessie gets turned around, you start to see the glass in her face yeah. and the camera cuts. Right. But in the DVD, they turn her all the way around and you oh. see the glass kind of like yeah. in the middle of her face. Oh, okay. um, it's a pretty good makeup effect. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I, I like I'm, I like that that was the intention. Right. Maybe, I don't know if this movie has a, a good video streaming life. You know, it didn't do mm. well in theaters, but yeah. Um, you know, who knows? Um, so we're in the chase scene. So Nate, the boyfriend, comes back. Um, he, <laughs> so he tries, he tries to go all white knight. Like yeah. no one's gonna bully my girls, and then right. gets shot in the face with an arrow yep. instantly. This is another one that they show more in the deleted scenes mm, oh, on really? the DVD. Yeah, you get more of a close up of him with the arrow like through his Ooh, head. Fun. And so the killer corners Riley and cuts her face and kisses mm. her like really disgusting, yeah. rapey stuff. Um, but then the talking Santa from the uh, beginning goes off and startles him. So she yep. um, does what I feel like at some point we're all taught to do when yes. walking home late at night, which is to thread the keys through your fingers. Yep. yep. And then she just drives them up into his neck and kills yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, it's good to know that works, I guess. Yeah. Because uh, um, we see, I don't know. well, we see Lindsay, I think, do it yes. in the opening yeah. scene. But then right. things get too intense and she ends up getting killed. So it's nice that Riley's able to do that. And mm -hmm. she goes to unmask the killer but another one appears and that's yes. one where it's made clear that there are multiple killers here. And not only that, but security shows up and we realize that security is at a different sorority yes. house where they are also being attacked. Yeah. Which it does like give me a second. I was very confused. I thought, because at this point, a lot of the girls have been killed. So mm -hmm. you're only expecting to see one or two girls in the house and they cut to security showing up, opening the door, oh, security. And it pans to the sorority house and there's like six girls on top of this one killer. It's kind of great. Yeah. Um, so I was very confused because I did, I was fooled. I thought it was the same house. And uh, I was like, where did all of these girls come from? And then you realize it's a different house. Yeah. And they're the, so they're the, they're Lindsay's sorority sisters. Mm. Because we see some of them in the opening scene yeah. um, together. But yeah, that's another thing where it's like the movie moves so fast yeah. that we don't really know who these characters are. Um, but yeah, so so there clearly there's some shit going down. Mm -hmm. And the girls also realize that during this fight, they have been covered in this black ooze mm -hmm. um, that we saw early on. It was also on the cat's paws, I think, the cat's yeah. That must have been getting in with some of the dead bodies, just yeah. like Claude used to. Um, and so 
Chris has to, they got to drive out of here. So Chris has to pull the keys out of the guy's <laughs> neck, which is a really good scene. Um, and then in a tribute to the original one, Chris gets attacked and Riley puts a plastic bag over his head mm, yeah. to try to suffocate him, which is a nice inversion of what happens in the first movie. Right. So they escape and Riley starts talking about this, these supernatural hazing rituals and how she wants to go bust, bust yeah. the bust, bust the bust. And Chris doesn't. And so they get into another little argument with each other um, and split up. So Riley arms herself with a shovel. She bumps into Landon. And now we're in kind of the Peter moment of the first movie. Like, is mm. he also one of the guys? Right. Could he also be in on this? Um, but there, there is this weird supernatural element where the men are getting headaches and it's the founder drawing out their true alpha male. <laughs> I think one of the guys tells Riley that's what's happening. Oh my so God. he gets kind of sucked into their cult. Yeah. So we get into the, um, the frat house thing. Cause Riley finds Helena who we thought was killed, yeah. but turns out she's just been to Riley's uh, viewpoint kidnapped. Yep. And so Riley goes to save her, but Helena screams because she's actually in on it too. Yeah. So that lures all the men in. They knock Riley out. She wakes up in that room where they were doing the ritual earlier. Mm -hmm. And they're doing that same ritual to Landon. They're putting the black ooze on his face. Poor Landon. Professor Elwes is the one that's behind it all. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of voodoo-y where they had to have a some a personal object that belonged to each yes. girl. Yep. And they're literally using this like um fluid that's coming from this bust to brainwash the fraternity bros yeah. into killing them and targeting them. <laughs> yeah. And it also makes them like super strong. It's, it's yes. all sorts of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Their alpha male is coming out. Yeah. And they only discovered this after the bus was removed mm. and they brought it into the frat house and realized that it had this literal power behind it. And Helena was the one who collected these objects. We see the diva cup. We yep. see the comb. So we see things that belong to the girls and they talk about how women who are willing to be obedient will be spared. Mm. And Riley refuses to do that. And then they kill Helena anyway. Yeah. Um, and Riley fights back and then boom, all the sorority sisters show up. They're all armed. We get this huge fight between yep. the girls and the guys and Riley smashes the bust. Chris sets the professor on fire. Yeah. <laughs> His robes go up in flames. Yep. And then they shut the doors. They barricade them with their little frat paddles. Yep. And just sit outside and watch them burn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like my, my fraternity brothers. Like, I like my steak. Well done. <laughs> Crispy, crispy Charmed. on the outside. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. We get like a, a jingled up, like professionally done version of the Fraternity House song yeah, in yeah. the credits. And then there's a brief like cutaway from the credits to the cat licking up 
more blood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and that's it. That's it for Black Christmas 2019. Yeah. Um, did, did we miss anything? I don't really think so. I mean, it was pretty, you know, like you mentioned, it was it was very, you know, bup, 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 you know. It, it moves along at a quick clip for better or for it worse. Does. It's only like, like it's an hour and a half, which is nice. I was nice, just going to but... say, I feel like it's a pretty short movie. Um, yeah, so it, it keeps you engaged for sure. Yeah, I love a short movie. This is one of the rare ones where I feel like could have been maybe just a hair longer. A wee bit, just to, yeah. Just to get a little more establishing of the who the girls are. Yeah, like a little bit yeah. in the beginning would have been nice. Yeah. Um, but okay, so we'll um, we'll take a short break and then we'll come back with our gothic roundup and decide, is it gothic? Mm. All right, we ghosties, we're back with our gothic roundup. All gothic films have four elements, a girl, a guy, a haunt, and a house. So our girl in this movie are, well, the girls. Yeah. We've got Riley and Chris are pretty equal, I think. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think Riley's a little bit more fleshed out. Chris seems a little bit more that one note, social social justice warrior kind of archetype. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we got we to gotta gaggle of girls. Yeah, yeah. We don't get a, a backstory for Chris. We get mm-hmm. a bit of a backstory for Riley, even though it doesn't. Other than, I mean, the rapist stuff has affected her. The fact yeah. that her parents are dead doesn't really they never bring up come into play. It's kind um, of weird that they even did it, honestly. Yeah, because we don't like. There's lots of people who are staying on campus and not going home for the holidays, right. and it's not because all of their parents are dead. Yeah. So there are some odd details that I feel like, again, that time could have been better spent yes. actually fleshing out their characters. Right. Um, but one thing I noticed on this watch is that our, so our three, the last three girls are Riley, Chris, and Marty, and they all have boy names. Oh, or like interesting. Androgynous names, names that yeah. could also be applied to men. Oh. Um, and I'm assuming that was intentional because these are not the same names from the first movie. Right, right. Huh. That's very interesting. I honestly kind of, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. It feels a little, you know, trying to make the female characters, you know, the tough final girls by giving, I could be, you know, I would welcome criticism on that take, but. I, I think the movie, I, invite, I think the movie invites that just by the way it's taking the stance that it does. Yeah. Um, Cause our, I think our guy is just the patriarchy. The patriarchy. <laughs> it's just. You know, which it, it's the guy to us all, frankly. Honestly, um, so you know we're, we've all been lured in by this guy. And <laughs> if this into if this movie situations, yeah, if this movie came out this year, the guy would be Andrew Tate, probably. Who's that? Oh, you don't know Andrew? Oh my God, I won't even get into this. He's basically no, this get into bag. <laughs> he's basically this douchebag. I think he's mostly known for having a uh, what's not Twitter? Oh my God. TikTok, a TikTok, very misogynistic, very like, I think he started, I could be wrong, but I feel like he kind of started his famous career as being like one of those like pickup artist guys, you know, like do this and women will love you kind of thing. And it sort of devolved into like women are property. And I'm pretty sure he's banned on most things now. I think he was one of those people who was banned on Twitter, but then Elon Musk is probably going to bring him back. He's, oh, he probably loves him. Yeah, he's a 
big douchebag. So Elon is probably chugging caffeine-free Diet Coke and watching <laughs> Andrew Tate TikToks until two yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, if this movie, I, I could see an Andrew Tate cameo in the not in a that he would agree to it, but as the frat boys who would be watching him if this movie came out this year. <laughs> oh God. Oh, that's dark. They'd be communicating on TikTok. They'd be using TikTok messages and the guys would be watching Andrew Tate. Oh yeah. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. One thing. So one thing I think, cause this movie, as we talked about, has very low scores. Yes. Um, which I do not think are warranted. Is mm. it a five-star film? No. Um, yeah. It might not even be a four-star movie, but it's definitely not like a 30%, like three yeah. out of 10. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it is this, especially in film criticism, this internalized misogyny or this triggering where if you even bring up misogyny or if you yes. even bring up the patriarchy, people have this violent response to it mm. where they're going to discredit everything else. Like as soon yes. as Chris opens her mouth, people are <laughs> going to write off this entire movie right. because of what she has said. Even if, I think even if people might agree with her yeah. to an extent, the way she just bluntly says it Mm-hmm. turns people off yeah well i think it kind of works in an opposite way that a lot of the filmmakers want because even people because i will say like i guess it's hard to explain because i don't want to say i don't like this movie because of the message because that's not what i'm trying to say but it can feel a little like especially at the end when they all show up like very girl powery you know so i think it almost has this opposite effect sometimes when you're being so blatant about it. Yes. You know, um, it, maybe it just takes me out of the movie a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm a white woman. I don't deal with the types of sexism and racism that, you know, black women deal with that people of color that, you know, um, outwardly queer people deal with, but I guess maybe I just want to watch a movie and not be so reminded, you Mm. know, like, Mm -hmm. I think it's easier for me to watch a movie like Jane Eyre where Rochester is just a dickhead and I can hate him and not so much a movie like this, where it's, this is the patriarchy and it sucks because it does. And I deal with that a lot. (laughs) That's true. That is a good, that's a very good point. Like I'm a guy, so I don't deal with this. Um, so I am a little detached from it and I can more, um, see it as fun. Mm. Like, yes, kill the men without having it where it doesn't hit as close to home for me. So I do think that's a really interesting perspective. I do love that the men die. I will give them that. (laughs) The ending makes a lot of this for me where they just like, not only do they die, like they have the choice to let them go because they've they've broken the curse like this. They've broken the bust, but they still just lock them in there and watch them burn. Roast and toast, baby. I love that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this movie does take what, like we talked about the 1974 Black Christmas is very feminist, especially for the time with Jess just, saying, I'm going to get this abortion. I do not care what you think. Barb smoking and just not giving mm-hmm. a shit. Um, so it's taking these underlying themes that have been in Black Christmases of the past. Yes. Even the 2006 gets into some interesting stuff regarding mm-hmm. that there's a couple of characters who are real sisters in that. Not like, like their characters are. Yeah. A, like the Barb equivalent 
has a sister who shows up. Right. And there's interesting dynamics between the blood sisters and the sorority sisters and the sisterhood is an interesting theme in that one. And so it's taking that, but yeah, it definitely does, as you said, hit a little close to home. So I can understand that as well. It's not making any, any friends. That's for sure. Yeah. Like I said, I think it sometimes almost acts against the film's message, but again, that's not why I dislike the movie. I don't, I want to make that clear. <laughs> I just like the movie right. because of the supernatural element. And yeah. And maybe I don't I honestly don't know where I would land on it, but I wonder if there wasn't a supernatural element if I would enjoy this movie more including the message because it does feel a little like I don't want to say it. I don't want anyone to be mad at me, but it almost does make it sort of come off as a not all men thing because you're like, oh, at the end, you're like, maybe they're not so bad because they were possessed, even though they do make it true that they're assholes beforehand, too. Um, Right. No, that's a very. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that as well. The more I think about it, Mm -hmm. it does undercut itself. And if it was more of a I don't know if satire is the right word, but more of the men just just killing them. Yeah. And there wasn't this motivation. Yeah. I think it would have been fun if they almost took, like, I know ready or not. Have we, yeah, we talked about that. Um, It ends with it ending up being supernatural, but up until that point, you don't know that it is. I kind of wish that they had done something like that with this movie where maybe the men are killing the women because they think it's supernatural but it ends up not being that way oh i think that would have been a lot more effective i don't want to like tell a movie maker how to make their movie i am not trained i am not talented um but i think it just would have. we've seen many movies and we know a good story when we see it yes i think it would have just been a smidge more effective to me i agree actually now because i went into this thinking oh i like that part and now i don't yeah um because i think that's fair because because what i well to segue into the haunt you know the haunt Mm -hmm. is our racist statue and this you know the this founding father whose spirit somehow still exists in the statue and can also brainwash people um and yeah i i like your idea better where where if they just have such a boner for this statue yes. and this, you know, that they're doing it because, yeah, they think it is supernatural, but it actually right. isn't. That would have been a stronger ele- yeah. way to way to tell this story. Right. I would love to, like, talk to the directors and the writers and ask them if that was ever a thought in their head. Yeah. And why. They- I'm sure it was because they obviously it's a well written movie. Like, I love the mm-hmm. dialogue and I love the characters. So obviously, like. I want. I wonder if this did cross their mind. I feel like it must have. So yeah. I wonder why they went the way that they did. Because uh, yeah, I wonder if it gets back into that they want it to be PG thirteen, mm. uh, and so not that it's a kids movie, but that the supernatural element does make it easier to digest. Perhaps. Yeah. I'm not crazy about that, but I will say I like the supernatural aspect more on the second watch, which is funny because i don't know now you seem to be falling out of love with it. <laughs> the opposite trajectory yeah yeah i think i liked it more on the second watch because on the first watch especially after watching the 74 movie i was not expecting it at all and it kind of annoyed me on the second yeah. watch when i knew that's what was going to happen i could let myself enjoy the movie a little bit more um but again i think 
Yeah, I think for the movie that it is, Mm -hmm. uh, the supernatural part is good because I do still like the way it makes you interpret the dialogue differently. Yeah. That is clever. Yeah. But for the messaging, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that is a challenge when you try to have a movie that's also a message. You need to have a movie that's interesting and fun to watch, which I think this is. Yeah. But sometimes that counteracts the message, which in this case is explicitly not fun. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's a hard, you know, I don't know that a lot of movie makers would ever nail that. So it's a hard line to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, I don't, know if this is is a plus or minus but like so you know all of this happened because chris did the petition to Mm -hmm. remove the statue and this wouldn't Mm. have happened if she hadn't done that um but also that's also kind of i feel like a short-sighted way of looking at it because it also wouldn't have happened if this nation and this college and everything weren't founded <laughs> on these principles, you know, yes. and to blame her for that is short-sighted, but I feel like the movie doesn't quite reckon with that as much, yeah. but in a way, in a way, I think that almost makes it more realistic and in a way more upsetting because mm. the, the, like, you know, there are the, there are large portions of the population who I think wish people would just, especially when the, all the racist statues were being vandalized, yeah. would wish that we just, we just were continuing not to discuss it. Yes. And the discussion gives both sides more power. The people who are anti-racist statues and the people who want to keep them gives them both more power. Mm. And I think there's so many people who are just like, "Mm, can we just like, just pretend everything's fine. Um, And this movie doesn't quite grapple with, I don't know if it's intentionally grappling with that. The fact that her, her doing this gave the other side more power. And eventually, right. and but it does get back into her dialogue where she says she has to keep fighting because they won't stop. So, yes. you know, when they escalate, she has to escalate and everything right. escalates until we just burn them down. Yes. So maybe yeah. that was intentional after all. I don't know. Now I feel like the messaging is a little bit of a mess, but. Yeah, I feel like the statue, I wouldn't <laughs> call it a, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't call it like a B plot, um, but it would have been, Again, this is just me, you know, imagining, but like it would, I, is there a horror movie made yet that's like basically just focuses on like the racist statue? Cause that would be fun. That would be fun. We should yeah. try to look into that. I do feel yeah. like it's a podcast or a white people podcast. We've talked about <laughs> mostly white people movies. So yes. we, sh- maybe we can try to diversify yeah. in the new year. That can be our Gothic yes. new year resolution oh, is to I diversify our our, our film, um, consumption. So, um, so from there we have our house, Mm -hmm. um, not as, not as interesting, uh, as the house in the original there, they do some interesting establishing shots where you see goblins in the masonry and these little Gothic touches, but they're always in close up, So it's hard to tell if this is is this stock footage? Is this actual? Right. Yeah. Is this actually part of the environment? So this co- this was filmed at the University of Otago, which is in New Zealand. Hmm. So not as gothic as Toronto. That's yeah. Sure. They do a good job but, of making it seem cold. But the house, and again, I couldn't find a lot of information on the production of this, so I don't know if the interior of the house is a real house or a soundstage. Hmm. It's structured very similarly to the house in the yeah. original one. But, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we don't really have many we, bonus gothics. We've made cat bonus gothics, so we do have the cat. Mm-hmm. But there's no panano in this one. There's no panano, none. Yeah, Zip. they really could have done a had someone playing panano while the girls did their yeah. routine would have been nice. Right, someone. Oh, that's so but, rude. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's there aren't any other bonus yeah. gothics. There isn't really um, a romantic rival. I mean, again kind of like tension but i i hesitate to even say it romantically because it's literally you know i'm thinking of the situation with the rapist yeah so I you do have you do have i guess a, you have the, oh, yeah, the, the you have alpha males and then yeah. landon who i feel like they would view as a beta um right. <laughs> so you know there is that tension right. there right that is true but yeah, barely. And he does. He does. They do. They do let. They do let him escape. So yes. They they yeah. let him out at the end. He's the did one man DVD, that they let survive. Yeah. Did your DVD play the bonus scene at the end where my DVD just started playing it? I don't usually watch the bonus scenes like you do, um, but my DVD just started playing it. There was a, a cut to them standing outside, and um, black goo started dripping down his hand. I think that's an alternate ending, maybe. Yeah. I couldn't figure out the way the DVD was structured. I'm like, yes. am I supposed to see this as canon or is right. this an alternate ending? But I think it was an alternate ending. Yeah. 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 And that, oh, that was kind of dumb. Yeah. I didn't love that. So I'm, glad, I'm glad they didn't go with that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. What do you think? Is this movie gothic? I would say no. <gasps> no. Okay. I know. Yeah. But I'm interested to know what you say, but I'm 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 now I'm on the fence because mm-hmm. I was going to say yes because it has a supernatural element mm. which the other one lacked. That's but true. We are still lacking a guy. Yeah. And I feel like this one has a very similar problem to the 74 where I wouldn't call the girls a traditional um, gothic girl. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very, you know, they're headstrong, they're great, they're smart, they're resourceful, but it just doesn't feel like a traditional gothic girl situation. Um, That's true. And I think this one lacks the house a little bit because you don't get that much of the house. The kitchen's nice, but... Um, That's true. You don't get a whole lot of, uh, you know establishing shots the school isn't as gothic it doesn't feel like this movie doesn't feel as dreary as the 1974 Mm. and like this one you know i think was it this episode we already said it where i think you said this movie feels more like a tragedy like a dramatic tragedy yeah it feels like i I, that's a good point I, i would hesitate to call it even horror um which gothic doesn't have to be horror but I think it maybe would have helped this movie if it was a little bit creepier. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, a lot of I it takes say. place during the daytime. Yeah, a lot of it does. Which, but a lot of the '74 did too, and oh, I guess it true. still felt creepier than this. Yeah. So, in my opinion, I would say no. But I could totally understand a goth-ish, and I think it's it's a fun it's a fun one to give a gothic title to. I think you've swayed me. This is not gothic. Um, <laughs> the most gothic thing about it is the font. Yes, the font is very gothic. It, it does have a good font, but 
Yeah, no, I think I think you're I think you've made very good points. I agree. Yeah. Not gothic. If there had been more bonus gothics, include the cat more, more piano. <laughs> Panano. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what else what else do we need? Um we need a Johnny Greenwood score. Mm, yeah. yeah. Why we was need he a, busy? Yeah. I don't know. I well, I mean maybe we could have I I'd sell for Tom York. Yeah. Um, Tom York covering up in the frat house. I was going to say Tom York doing like a Christmas carol. Just like, that would have been. He could be the a caroler that shows up. <laughs> Here we go. A wassailing or whatever by Tom York. Some B, you know, B-listy carol. Not yeah. even one that I know the words to. No. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah get on that for the for the sequel yeah because he does feel the need to sing so yeah he'd be off caroling yeah johnny greenwood knows to just do instrumental (laughs) so uh yeah so anything else you want to add for 2019 black christmas i don't think so no i don't think so either so yeah not gothic but a good movie recommend it yeah Um, it's fun i think i think watching them in in chronological order yeah. in which they were made is a good good idea yeah i would yeah i would definitely recommend it around the holiday season throw it on mm-hmm. um the first two i think are on 2b is that correct first two are yes they're on 2b and other free streaming services yep black christmas 2019 blumhouse still trying to make that money back i guess yeah, <laughs> because <yes. laughs> they're still charging you to rent this movie so yes. i got it from my local library yes check it out from the library that's how i did check it, it out from too. the library it's easier to find than the other ones on physical just because yes. you it's know newer. they're on streaming which is nice but yeah this one's newer so it hasn't been weeded yet from library yeah. collections <laughs> yeah. so, so check, check it out now Check it out so it stays in circulation. Get those stats up, baby. Get those stats up. All right. Well, thank you, We Ghosties. Thank you for listening to us break down Black Christmas and all of the Black Christmases if you've listened to our last episode. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us on Apple Apple, Apple Podcast. I'm doing the Olivia Hussey voice. Apple Podcast. (laughs) One thing, this is way too late, but one thing I did not mention on the Black Christmas 1974 podcast is how every time they answer the phone, she just shouts into it. Hello? <laughs> hello? Hello? She, sh- she shouts hello three times into the phone every single time she picks up. Oh, she's very, she's not wasting those minutes. <laughs> she's not, I know they could be calling collect, you know, she wants yeah. to make sure they get connected. But like, it's just like, I don't even answer the phone when it rings. I like, I'm, I'm definitely not going to scream into it if no one is there. You get yes. one hello, maybe two. Right. And then click. But she's desperate to get to whoever's <laughs> on the other end of the line. She needs to hear them. She needs to hear them. So anyway, yeah, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, drop us an email at sogothicpod at gmail.com with comments and suggestions for future films. And follow us on Instagram for hints about what we'll discuss next year in Woo! 2023. Uh, all right, everybody, stay ghosty. Have a great holiday. Boo-bye. Bye.